This is Today's Living Hope with Linda Penn. Life's hard and you don't need to go through it alone. Together, we're going to find God's direction for living. To join the conversation, call 1-800-684-2848 or 883-5000. Now, live from the studios of WDCX, here's your host, Linda Penn. Hey, welcome to Today's Living Hope, and we're so glad that you have stopped by today on the radio. And you know that Today's Living Hope is on from 1 to 3 on a couple stations, and then again from 4 to 6 on a couple other stations. We're streaming worldwide, we're on podcast, and we're just so thankful that you stop by every day. And you might be new, you might be a regular listener, but our topics are different every week. And our hope is, in facing the reality of today, that through the scriptures, through the topics, through the Holy Spirit and our relationship with Christ, that we can not only find hope for today, but there certainly is hope for tomorrow. Before we get into our program, and I want you to know we kind of have a double whammy (laughs) this time. I'm going to have the same guest speak for both hours, but we're going to have two separate topics. The first topic is going to be the seven levels of lying. Did you know there were that many? (laughs) You know, uh, we're going to learn a lot about that. And then in our second hour from two to three, we're really going to be talking about moral courage, what it is, what it isn't. What do the scriptures say about it? What do we need to be doing today? And how is that in dwelling us through the Holy Spirit in our own character about moral courage. But but before we start both our hours, I want to draw your attention to the Christian Business Board Facebook page. It is an organization that we are collectively coming together as businessmen and women for transform leaders and transform communities because we know we're better together and we really need to get that connection. So we've been doing this for a little while and um, Oddly enough, not oddly enough, but very well planned, I think. Sarah Sumner is also going to be our speaker on March the 15th, Facebook Live at 7 p.m. on the topic, Extended Purpose of Mission, Vision, Goals, Strategy as Business People. I think it's going to be a very interesting topic. It's going to be connected to moral courage. So you can go to the Facebook page, Kristen, Christian Business Board, and It's looking for registrations for you to say, hey, I'm interested. I'm going to lock in next Monday night. That's March the 15th at 7 p.m. We're starting to promote that. So I want to get right into our program on the seven levels of lying. And I want to tell you, I've had Sarah on before. And she is calling in from California, but I've known her. I've had her here in ministry. We are friends. There's so many things I've learned from her, from the courses I've taken, and just from her life. I consider her a mentor. And I want you to know that she is herself has many degrees as far as an MBA degree, uh, systematic theology, PH degree, the first woman. But most of all, I want you to know that she is a woman of repentance who really wants to urge others to really bet on all that God has for each one of us because God just loves to help his own, right, who honestly surrender to him, want to live for him. She's been on staff at churches. She's been through a lot herself. She's been in desert experience. She's drank those waters, if you know what I mean, of solitude and silence, searching, been on hold, been waiting for God, and yet God has now 
developed and out of her being making a great impact across our nation. So I want to welcome Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. Good, good. beautiful day in California. I know. Is your sun shining? Oh, yes. (laughs) Ours has been. Ours has been and been a little bit cooler than I'm sure what you have out there in California. So, um, hey, we're talking about a very hot, I think, two hot topics. The first hour, we're going to talk about the seven levels of lying, just knowing that um, if we all were totally honest with ourselves, we've all done it. (laughs) We've all used it. And it's been part of our lives, right? Yes. So as we get jump right into this, I know that you wrote an article about this with Christianity Today, and I um, I want to just really want jump right in, and I want to make sure we get to all the seven levels so we understand it totally. I have learned so much about this. I actually, I think sometimes can, the conviction is God convicts me right away, and you can kind of see it in other people. So help us understand um the seven levels of lying. Yeah, well, let me give some context. And thank you so much for having me here again, uh, Linda. So there is a book called What We Can't Not Know. And it's written by Jay Bujashevsky. And he's a professor at the University of Texas. And at this time, I myself was a professor at a different university out here in California. And and he has a page in that book about the seven levels of lying. And so what happened was some years ago, I developed that list into a, a, a list that was specially made for Christianity Today for people in the church. And so let me just run through the levels, and then we'll explain them sort of as we go. So if you think about the first level of lying, level one is that you lie. Okay, so when you lie, that means you told somebody I'll see you. I will be there at seven o'clock, and you don't arrive at seven o'clock. You arrive. You arrive at seven fifteen. So that would be a lie because you said you'd be there at seven, or you promised your child I will play baseball with you tomorrow night, and you don't. So it's really easy to lie in terms of, of making a promise that you don't fulfill. Now, of course, there's other ways to lie, and. If you lie a lie that gets yourself into some trouble, that'll take you to level two. Level two of lying is that you lie about having lied. So the best thing you can do if you're at level one, if you lie, is confess that lie right away, because otherwise you're going to find yourself in level two lying again (laughs) to cover up your lie. So level two is lying about having lied, and then you've got to keep track of what you lied about and who you said to what, to, to, to whoever. So hopefully as Christians, we don't get to level two. We just, if you lie, you confess, and you're at level one, and now you're out. But if you get to level two, and you lie about having lied, you're going to find yourself in level three. Level three is when you are in the habit of lying. So people who get in the habit of lying lie even when it would be better for them situationally to tell the truth. But they lied just because they were in the habit of lying. Because if you're lying about having lied, you're so busy trying to keep up with all your cover-up that you're, you get occupied with it. You get caught in the quagmire of it, 
And now you're in that habit, and you didn't even see that lying just is causing you a lot more time-consuming problems when telling the truth would have been a lot quicker. Now, it's beneficial to you. Now, of course, we know from God that it's always better to tell the truth. It's always better, even if it might be in the short run more costly because of other people around you who are lying. So it's so, so, it sounds like then you get into the habit, and first you lied because you needed to, and the second time uh, you lied, you're defending the first lie, and then you get into the habit, and then you find yourself lying, and you don't even know why you lied. Well, that's exactly right. Now, the thing is, what I'd say is when you that, that level one, if we say we need to lie, then we're really deceiving ourselves because we really don't need to lie. We never need to lie. We don't need to lie. It just just becomes a convenience, a social convenience, a convenience for us to try to avoid some immediate kind of suffering or or some kind of loss that we don't want to incur. (laughs) And basically, we're just not trusting God. Because in the long run, it's always better to tell the truth, even if it doesn't seem so in the short run. So now, what happens when you get to this habit of lying is your habit becomes so ingrained that you begin to deceive yourself. And what I want to say here is self-deception is merely at level four. Mm. We have seven levels. And when you're at level four of self-deception, you don't even know you lied because you lied to yourself. So, Greg Tenelsoff is a, a professor at Viola, and he has a little book about self-deception. And in that book, my favorite thing about it is he says, when you lie to yourself, when you self-deceive, he says, you, self-deception is when you lie to yourself without catching yourself in the act. You have to lie to yourself and not catch yourself doing that. You have to pretend like you don't know what you just did, although you did it on purpose. So you see, the whole thing is so caught in deep deception. So you go from level one lying, level two to lying about having lied, level three to being in such a habit of lying, that now you're at level four, and you've told yourself you're not lying, and you actually believe your own lie, even though under your belief you know that you lied, and that's why you keep lying. So maybe the first couple times you could have the conviction of the Holy Spirit if you were a Christian saying, "Uh uh-oh, you just lied. What are you going to do about it? And then you decide to make another choice, which is not a good one, and going to step step two or three. By the time you're at four, you've kind of grieved the Holy Spirit, and you've kind of just totally bought into your own flesh reasoning and thinking, and you're in that habitual habit. That's right. And what I would say is you you grieve the Holy Spirit if you even get to level one. Yes. A lie is an abomination to God. And what happens when you lie, you break trust. Listen to this. When you, when you lie, you break trust with reality. You deny reality. You create an alternative reality. And that is so dangerous because mm-hmm. there's only one place you'll ever find God. And the one place you'll always find God and you'll never not find him in this one same place is reality. God Ah. is always in reality. And see, when you divorce yourself from reality by lying, when you detach yourself from reality by lying, you disconnect from God. You deny God. And when you lie, you think God's not there. 
And you're going, well, I had to lie because God's not there. And going, no, actually, you got deceived, and you lied, and now you're further from God, and now you're lying and saying God's not in reality, when really you're not the one in reality, even though in reality you're here lying. Wow. That just takes us in this vicious, confusing, chaotic state, which has got to be of the evil one. And the only way to stop lying is face the reality that you are lying, is what you're telling me. Is right. It's to tell the truth. And what you just said, Linda, is very insightful because lies confuse. Mm-hmm. Lies confuse people. And when you're in a situation like this, I'm so confused. This is so confusing. It doesn't make sense. That's because somebody's lying. If you get into a situation and you're like, this is so chaotic, things don't match, things are so topsy-turvy, that's because somebody's lying. And maybe a whole group of people are lying. Maybe everybody agreed to lie the same lie. Or maybe different people are lying, conflicting lies. And so you have all this chaos and confusion that's unnecessary, that breaks trust, that makes everybody think God seems further away or that God does not exist, precisely because everybody's lying or whoever it is that's lying is lying. So I'm going to go through it again. Okay, go ahead. Level one, you lie. Level two, you lie about having lied. Level three, you're in the habit of lying. Level four, you've deceived yourself to where you don't even think you're lying. And I want to say more about that after you make your comment, Linda. Uh, Sure, and I want to take a break and come back. And then I have a question about the the reality, too. And I know we have uh, other steps of this, but God just really gave me a question I want to ask after our break. Hey, if you need some help naturally and you have tried other things and it is just not working and you say, I need something different, I need something more, then you need to contact Jimmy Scaringi at Synergy Nutrition and Wellness. We'll be right back. For years, you've been suffering with health problems. You've seen one doctor after another, but your symptoms haven't gone away. It's time to seek a natural solution. When the right combination of natural health therapies and whole food supplements join forces, you have Synergy. Hi, I'm Jimmy, founder and owner of Synergy Nutrition and Wellness here in Western New York. At Synergy, we teach our patients how to thrive holistically because God designed the body to heal and function on its own. Your body's ability to heal is greater than anyone has permitted you to believe. We have successfully helped patients battling health issues like acid reflux, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, autism, autoimmune disease, infertility, and much, much more. You can take control of your health without relying on medications or surgeries. Get rid of the pain, depression, exhaustion, and so much more and start living the life you were meant to live. And it starts with a simple phone call. To make an appointment with a Synergy team member, please call us at 716-264-4248. You can also check us out online at 716synergy.com. Imagine your heart stops beating for 23 minutes and your loved ones are told you would either be brain dead or dead by the morning. I don't have to imagine that because it happened to me, but because of the power of prayer, I'm alive today. Hi, I'm Dominic Seccaroli. I received a miracle that day, and as a result of my storm, total breakthrough was birthed. My team and I have ministered to hundreds of thousands of people across the U.S. and Canada and have received tens of thousands of prayer requests. When you submit your prayer request, our team of partners not only will pray for you, but will also follow up with you by phone or email. God is still in the miracle working business. 
and I'm living proof of that. If you have a prayer request, I invite you to send it today by going to our website, totalbreakthrough.org, and click on the prayer link at the top of the page. That's totalbreakthrough.org. Thank you, and God bless. Welcome to 600 River Road, apartments and townhouses, where waterfront living meets luxury and comfort. Centrally located between Buffalo, New York and Niagara Falls, our upscale waterfront community is unlike any other, featuring boat docks, heated saltwater swimming pool, pickleball courts, a clubhouse, and we are a pet-friendly community. Leasing now. Call us today at 716-587-8700 or visit us on the web at 600river.com. Experience life on the water at 600 River Road. Colossians 1.13, I am delivered from the power of darkness. Feel like you're over your head with everyday life? You've come to the right place. It's Today's Living Hope with Linda Penn. Hey, welcome back. If you just tuned in, our topic today is the seven levels of lying with Dr. Sarah Sumner. I also want to remind you to go to Christian Business Board Facebook page and mark on there your interest to being part of the Facebook Live virtual event on March the 15th at 7 p.m. And Sarah, before the break, we started our journey on the seven levels of lying, and you've mentioned the first four, but I want to ask a question because you said we have to find God in the reality of the lying, and I want to ask a question because I think sometimes we're only to level four. But what if you're working hard in the perception of the reality that you're putting forth that you are lying and it's not the real reality? Are you saying what? It, okay, so here's what I'm saying is that God is in capital R reality. Okay. God is in reality. So God exists and that's reality. Yes. So if we think that God doesn't exist, we're not being realistic. We have divorced ourselves from reality. So when you are in reality, that requires you to tell the truth, because truth is when you speak words that match reality. And if you speak words, deliberately speak words that do not match reality, you did it on purpose, then now what you've done is distance yourself from God, and it's harder to repent because it's harder to even believe there's a God that you can confess your sin to. In other words, lying is very spiritually dangerous. Well, you just put yourself out there to be known if the truth does come out of how bad of a liar you are, because you're not in God's reality. You're in your own perceived reality. That's right. And there's just one reality. Reality is reality. And so if you if you if you think that you have your own reality and you can create that reality by lying, you're already deceived. You're deceived into thinking there's such a thing as an alternative reality. There's a, you can have your, a certain perception, and you can have your own perception, but a perception's not the same thing as reality. So, when, so the only thing that really gets you into reality is telling the truth. Now listen to this. Everybody knows what truth is because everybody knows how to lie. I'm going to say that again. Mm. People say, well, what is truth? How do we really know what truth is? That's what Pilate asked Jesus. Pilate was the Roman governor who was there at the tribunal before Jesus was, was crucified, crucified, which was a, an, illegal, an illegal murder of Jesus. And Pilate asks him, what is truth? Mm. And say what that, I'm saying here... Say that statement that all, again. Say that statement again. Pilate, the Roman governor in the first century, asked Jesus, Mm -hmm. he said, what is truth? 
And what I'm saying here today is everybody knows the answer to Pilate's question. Everybody knows what truth is because everybody knows how to lie. Mm. If you don't know what the truth is, you wouldn't know how to lie. So people look (laughs) at the truth. They look at the reality and go, oh, reality? Oh, I don't like that. The reality might be, let's say the reality was you go, oh, the reality is I told you I would be here at 7, and it's 8. And so I don't want to confess, yes, I did tell you 7, but now it's 8. So you might lie, and then you, you lie and say, oh, I forgot. And then you lie and say, oh, well, I was caught in terrible traffic, and even though you were not. And, and you just start lying. Mm-hmm. And now that's something that people would say, well, that's so innocuous. You were just late. And I say, okay, that's not the worst lie, but it's still a dangerous lie because all lies are dangerous in the sense that they, they, they remove us from reality where we get a little bit more afraid about reality. And so when you're not in reality, you start being unrealistic. And when you're unrealistic, you think it's unrealistic to trust God. Well, you already put yourself in the self-protect mode, which is stage two. So while Pinocchio had got a long nose, um, perhaps if we just had a light go on every time we lied, God would break us of that line because nobody was taught to lie. That is in our sin nature. Um, You always think, well, you know, how did my son decide to lie about this and nobody taught him? Well, because he's about himself and he's about his sinful nature and we all want what we want. So we that's ingrained, right? It came with the territory of being born in our sinful nature. Yes, and the thing is we don't have to lie. No. And it's it's it's, it's but we, we need the spirit of God and, and a lot of people forget the Holy Spirit of God is the Holy Spirit of truth. Jesus Uh says this in the Gospel of John. He calls him the Spirit of Truth. So we invite the Holy Spirit in us. And if you don't know Christ, if you don't know God, and you're going, I want to be truthful, Mm. I hate lies, then you ask God, you say, God, please indwell me. Fill me with your Spirit. I I want your Spirit of Truth. And Jesus himself says, I am the truth. So we who receive Jesus, we receive the truth. We receive him personally. He personally is the truth, and he helps us tell the truth. Because otherwise people get so afraid of reality, because in reality people don't love us. Many people don't love us, and it's hard to live in this, in this world. If we, if we tell the truth, we realize God loves us, and God, God does give other people love for us, and then we don't have to feel so frightened and unsafe. Mm-hmm. Because we have the love of God. As a matter of fact, the, the love of God casts out fear. And fear is what causes people to lie. If you're really scared, you might lie. But mm-hmm. if, you, if, you, if you trust God, you know God is good, and you know, that, you know that God is truth and that God commands us to tell the truth, you can become a truthful person. And I know people, I, I, know, I know certain people who are committed believers, they're following Jesus, and they're truthful people. And so what happens is if you end up lying, you, you tell on yourself. You do a level one lie, and you tell on yourself. Or you tell God. Sometimes if you confess a sin of a lie, it might take so many, so many hours to explain the nuance of the lie. And, like, it's hard to explain it because it's all kind of nestled in, and it really didn't have a seemingly noticeable consequence. And so you tell God, dear Lord, forgive me. 
And, and, and now, if you tell a lie that's a blatant lie, like if somebody says, let's take, like, take this for an example. Let's say that you're working on a board. You're a board member, and the board votes unanimously to do something. And you walk out the door and say the board voted unanimously to not do that thing. That's a big lie, because you just lied about a board vote. You know, if you lie about a vote, that, and you're in official capacity, and you're saying this about a board vote when they had something official vote for that entity, that is a big lie. And and now we're going to have to keep going with this. We got we got. Yeah, I want I want to make I want to make a, a statement here because um, in your article and it kind of fits between um, level four uh, and level five. five Line is sinful even when we do so subconsciously. It's important to understand that the self-deception is self-imposed. To be deceived by someone else or shielded from the full truth is not the same as self-deception. Self-deception is a vice. Can you explain that a little bit before we go to yes. level five? Now, here's the thing. I, I have. I could do a whole other talk on... The seven levels of believing lies. <laughs> I think that's okay? another program. <laughs> Here's the thing. So some people are more prone to tell a lie, and others are more prone to believe a lie. Ah. Now, if you believe a lie, it's because of the deceitfulness in your heart that you would even believe a lie. See, now here's the thing. Jesus never told a lie, mm-hmm. and Jesus never believed a lie. Okay? So somebody like me... I have not told as many lies, and when you look at my thing, I haven't been primarily like a person who tells lies. My problem is that I have believed lies, and and believing certain lies, believing promises told to me, got me into a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, Lord, please help me repent from believing a lie. And so what I have to do is come to terms with reality more, which is a bitter pill to swallow, and understand that we can't trust. We can't entrust ourselves to other people if we're going to be like Jesus. It says in John chapter two that Jesus entrusted himself to nobody mm-hmm. except God because he knew what was in people. So if you entrust yourself to somebody, you're already lying because you're telling yourself this person is just as trustworthy as God is, and that's a lie. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are right down to the bottom of the half hour, and I want to take the break so we can continue our great conversation with Sarah Sumner of Right on Mission with Seven Levels of Lying. Uh, We're going to step aside for our endorsing sponsors, and we're going to be right back. In His Name Outreach is a nonprofit, faith-based counseling and community resource center. In His Name Outreach provides a network of support using biblical principles to help you overcome and find freedom from prevalent issues like anxiety, stress, and the devastation of addiction. You can also choose from a variety of options such as certified coaching, recovery services, counseling, and so much more. The experienced staff specializes in the three E's, education, encouragement, and empathizing to build and restore brokenness. In His Name Outreach is here to help you get back on track so that you can be the person that God has meant for you to be. Check out the upcoming classes to step into the new field of peer advocacy. You can transform a life. To schedule your life-changing appointment, call today at 716-464-3681. That's 716-464-3681 or visit iknow.org. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29 11. 
Today's Living Hope has been a blessing to you and so many WDCX listeners. Host Linda Penn is here for you as she continues to bring you the best in conversation every Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. to help you find hope to fulfill your purpose and destiny for living. You've grown in your spiritual walk with the Lord and want to support the efforts of this incredible ministry. Learn more about how you can become a sponsor or advertising partner today. If you are a business or individual, you can donate to Today's Living Hope nonprofit organization. All donations are tax deductible. Email lindapenn at todayslivinghope.com or call 716-906-4620. Today's Living Hope, empowering people with purpose and destiny. Building your faith and finding hope one day at a time. It's Today's Living Hope with Linda Penn. Hey, welcome back. I'm talking with Sarah Sumner of Right on Mission. She is the president of Right on Mission. And I really want you to go to take some time. Go to rightonmission.org. Really look throughout this website. There's a lot of things, webinars and stuff you can take free. There's courses you can take, and there's a lot of good stuff. She has helped me immensely uh, with my own um, calling, with ministry, with my nonprofit. And it's just beautiful what she is doing across the United States. Uh, and she has a lot of information. You can just tell by listening to her, you're going to you know, want to know more. So be sure and, and sign up for that Christian Business Board virtual event on March the 15th at 7 p.m. on Facebook, too. So, Sarah, let's mention the f- first four that we um, talked about, levels of lying, as we go into number five. Okay, so the first level of lying is that, and, and by the way, let me interrupt myself here. If you would like a copy of this article from Christianity Today called The Seven Levels of Lying, you can email us at rightonmission.org, R-I-G-H-T-O-N-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. Just email info at rightonmission.org, and, and we'll get you a copy of this for free. So the first level is that you lie. The second level is that you lie about having lied. The third level is that you are in the habit of lying. And the fourth level is that you are now deceived. You've lied so much that you tell yourself you've, you, you, you didn't even lie. Now, here's the thing. People will tell and say, they'll say, for a level four liar, people around that level four liar, especially if that level four liar is somebody who is in a, a, a power position in an institution, People would say, well, that person's not lying because they really believe what they're saying. (laughs) And I would say, well, actually, that's even a worse lie. That's a deeper level of lying. Now, level five is when you rationalize. So level five is you're self-deceived, and now level five is you can publicly, shamelessly get out there and explain why your lie is not a lie. Let me give it for instance. Let's say somebody's having an affair. They're having an affair with someone who's married to somebody else, right? And they say, well, oh, that, oh, that's not really a marriage. Oh, that person I've lived with and I've had five children with, that wasn't really a marriage because we were high school sweethearts and, you know, we just, we were so immature when we got married. It wasn't ever really, okay, it was 30 years of co-residing and raising kids and sharing a bank account and living in the same home and having our wedding rings and having had those vows before God and all of that stuff we did. However, that wasn't a real marriage. So you see, I'm not really Mm. having an affair right now that an affair would be something else but what i have right now with my lover is real love and what i had with my other was sort of like i don't know getting caught into the whole family groove or something like that and you're rationalizing that you're not having an affair 
And so what happens is you're, you've, you've, you're, with your own perception, you've created this alternative reality that isn't reality. It's anti-reality. It's not where God is. It's, it's a contrivance of lies. It's level five rationalizing, level five lying. Now, level six is even worse. Well, I want, I want to back up a little bit because you have a personal, I want to talk about level five a little bit longer because you, you have a personal experience at level five when you were at the A.W. Tozer Seminary. That a person well, said something to you. Well, I mean, the thing is, I got interested in lying because I had been lied to so much. Yes. And I'm, I'm a person who, like I said, I, I, I hate lies. Now, I've told lies too. Right? So the, the most truthful people are the people who would tell you about the lies they told. The first lie I ever told in my life that I, I've tried to think, when did I ever first, and I think I was three years old, and what happened was my, I asked my mother for a popsicle, and she told me no. And when she turned her back, I, I wrinkled my nose at her. And my mom kind of got a half glimpse of that. And she looked at me and she said, did you wrinkle your nose at me? What did you do? Did you just make a face at me? And I said, my nose itched. Well, that was a lie. And now I was three, and I don't remember anybody ever teaching me to lie. Yeah. I was probably, I don't know if I was taught by that time not to lie. Let's say my parents, they might have even told us not to lie. So I think the way we learn what lies is a lot of times is we hear stories, and mm-hmm. we hear a story about somebody who lied. I knew it was a lie, and I remember where we lived, and I think I, I, I was no more than three years old. So mm-hmm. I deliberately lied to my mom, and I'm like, wow, I feel I feel convicted about that. Now, as I grew older... I was in a, I was in certain settings where, by God's providence, I was there and I was the witness and I saw these lies and then I got lied to and I knew I was uh. being lied to, and I'm like, Lord, help me because I I don't like these lies and I see what's happening here. But but in the midst of all that, God convicted me of times when I believed lies and, that, and here's the thing: I was so shocked by the lies, I was shocked and appalled. And when I got back to the scriptures, I'm like, why was I shocked and appalled? Because the, the scriptures say everybody's a liar. And so I'm like, well, if I wasn't such a liar, I wouldn't be this shocked. Because I would always say, oh, of course, sinners lie. Liars lie. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. So instead of me being shocked and then going off and sinning, my sin would be ba 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 Or me saying some smart aleck remark in the background or something like this. Or me having a sin of self-righteousness. And so I would sin in reaction to the lie, instead of being truthful, humble, and going, I need to be praying for the people to stop being so afraid that they're lying. So what happened to me at Tozer was was I was working there, and by God's grace, you know, I was Dr. Sarah Sumner, the dean of A.W. Tozer Theological Seminary, the first woman theologian, the first woman theologian dean of the seminary, and, and by God's grace, we were able, I was able to assemble a really neat team, and we broke three all-time records in 34 years and 16 months on the job. And the, the school was poised to lose money, and it earned money. And mm-hmm. all I did was clean it up. And I just cleaned up illegalities. I cleaned up this and this and this. It just got it all cleaned up. And when that happened, the, the, uh, the president, as, as, as one person described it, had a thing called, quote-unquote, leadership hysteria. And leadership hysteria is when you have a certain panic. Now, notice panic, fear. Fear leads to lying. Mm. And so what happens is, the, is the, the president fired me on the spot in blatant violation of my contract. And so when that president did that, 
the president was at least truthful about the fact that the president's the one who did it. Now, there were people who who witnessed him do it. Three, three people witnessed him do it. So it was kind of going to be a tough one to say for him to deny that. But he did he did confess what three people watched him do, and that was fire me against my contract, against California uh, contract, contract uh, law, the way it's set up. And so what happened is the board, the, the, the board chair set up an ad hoc grievance committee of five people who heard a hearing, I filed a grievance against the president for firing me in blatant violation of my contract. And when that happened, those five people voted five to zero. There were five of them. They all five voted to reinstate me. And now I didn't know this. None of us knew this for months. But what happened was the chair of the board, he's now deceased, the chair of the board decided to tell everybody that, and when I say everybody, I mean about 175 to 200 employees, and, in, and he told me privately that the board voted, the ad hoc grievance committee voted 5-0 to zero to uphold the termination. Now, that is a very big lie. It's a lie at an official level. It's a lie about a grievance. If you look at, in California law, if you do that in a secular place, it actually qualifies beyond a civil thing, and it becomes a misdemeanor with a fine. Uh, and so this is, this is a big lie. Now, what happened is the board lied about this, and so the board chair lied about this, and now the board is stuck with this lie. What is the board going to do? How many people on the board even know that's a lie? To my knowledge, I don't, I don't have firsthand knowledge that the board even knows about this, even though now we have the paperwork, and I have the evidence to prove it. So, you know, you've got a quote-unquote, uh, you have a professing Christian school that has a board chair that lies about a board-level vote, and that's a big one. And now, but now what we say, so why would happen? Well, the, it's embarrassing because the president violated the contract. And so now what are we going to do? And it's embarrassing because, because, you know, the Christian school is trying to look good. So now the, the temptation is to lie about having lied. So the lies started to pile up. And for five months, while I was not employed over this, and this big lie was being told. For five months, more lies were being told. And wow. I counted 46 lies that one of these officials told. I started taking inventory. Okay? And so now you've got a lying culture. And when you have a lying culture, it's really hard to tell the truth. And people, it is, this is going to segue into all the many things I have to say about moral courage. Because mm -hmm. when you're in a lying culture, to simply tell the truth requires moral courage. Because people are so afraid of the truth. They're so afraid of reality. So here's level six. Level six is when you lie, you lie to get yourself out of the current, the current moment, the current conversation, the current situation that you're in. So let's say this. Let's say somebody lies and, and, and they say, oh, let's say it's a political lie. Let's say that a politician comes in and says, oh, I've always believed that we should not do this. And then they go to another constituent and say, oh, I've always believed that we, in fact, should do this. And let's say somebody heard him say, I thought you said that you shouldn't do this, and you're saying you should do this. Wait, do you, do you think we should or should? What, do you, what are you saying you've always believed? Because you said you always <laughs> believed you should, and you always believed you shouldn't. So what's the truth here? And the person goes, oh. And now what they do is they work the frame. And you're working the frame, and now they're going to lie about having lied. So it's, in a way, it's level two, but now it's level six because they're, they're, they're framing each situation as another little 
little perception, another little alternative reality that all they have to do is lie their way out. And they say, oh, that, that was a joke. Oh, that, you didn't hear me right. Oh, oh, I don't even know what a that is. I don't even know what you're talking about. And they start to gaslight you. And that means when they say, oh, you're the one who's got the problem, because there's no discrepancy that was even told. See, the problem is you must have a problem with reality, because I don't even know what you're talking about, which is, of course, is a level six lie. They know exactly what you're talking about, which is exactly why they're lying in that way. I was in another institution, and I, 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 by God's providence, I was there, and I heard an official lie. What had happened was this official didn't, there was, a, there was a, a meeting that was supposed to happen. This official didn't want to go because this official was going to have to do something that the official didn't want to do. It would cause the official to have to be humble, and the official would have to do something for the benefit of the group, and the official wanted to do something for the benefit of the official instead of the benefit of the group. So the official comes to the official's secretary, and I was friends with the, the official secretary. I happened to be at the secretary's desk that day, and he happened to not notice. And he told the secretary, I'd like for you to cancel that meeting with, the, with, the, with, the, uh, with this other person. And so now the official is in a meeting with the group, and I was in the meeting with the group. And I heard the official tell the group, oh, the, 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 I know you guys have all been looking so forward to this meeting, but, the, but, the, but that other party canceled the meeting. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I know that the official canceled the meeting, and he just told everybody that the other party Cancel the meeting, and I know that is a lie. What am I going to do? So I prayed, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to have to go in there and say something. Now, this was risky and it, because of the position I was in, because of the position. It was a very awkward, not fun situation, but I learned a lot. And what I did, by this time I had repented a lot. I was calm. I realized, okay, this is what sinners do when a sinner is lying. This is how a liar lies. And so I'm calm, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to just go in there very calmly quietly i don't have to be in a hurry and i and i said to the official i said you know today i just have a question because today i heard you say to the group that the other party canceled the meeting is that what you said yes i heard that right right yeah that's what i thought you said and i said you know that's interesting because i remember the day that you had told your secretary to cancel that meeting and i happened to be right there and i'm just i'm just i'm just trying to um you know I'm trying to figure out how I should think about this. And then I watched that official, and I timed it. I was watching the clock. He talked for 11 minutes and said a whole bunch of different sentences. And they were all like level five rationalization, kind of level four uh, self-deception, level six kind of like pretending like, basically pretending like it wasn't a lie and just said a whole bunch of stuff. And so I was sitting, and none of it made any sense, and none of it, none of it, none of it was him coming clean, and none of it was him um, explaining anything that really uh, sorted it out. So I just sat there so calmly, and because I was so calm, quiet, I didn't confront, I didn't say anything. I was just sitting there blinking. I was watching the look on his face, and I was telling myself, watch his breathing patterns. Let's see if he looks him in the eye. Now watch how he does it. Does he shift his body? And I was like, Sarah, study this and watch how somebody does it. So all that happened, and when he got finished, he was looking at me to see, like, did like to see if I bought it and if I was gonna like say, okay, now I see that he didn't lie, and I didn't give him that. I didn't give him either way, and I was watching him. He was starting to get a little bit more panicked, you know, going, okay, I didn't do it, and so you know, and mm. then I just walked out, and I was just like, okay, you know, and I left. Now what's he gonna do? Because he can't come and tell me. He can't knock on my door and say, Doctor Sumner, um, I just want to ask you, uh, did you believe what I said? 
And so now he doesn't know if I believed it or not. And so I'm watching now him scramble that way. But now there's a woman named Pamela Meyer, and she has done um, deep research as a psychologist. I, my PhD is in theology. Hers is in psychology, I believe. And when she did her research, she found, she found what happens when people actually convince someone of their lie. And she calls it duper's delight. Duper's delight is when you dupe somebody and you delight in the fact that they believed it. And, you, and she's got films of when a, mass, a, 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 woman, a mother who murdered her own children, so, so hideous, heinous of a crime, and how when the mother tells a story and is sort of pretending like she's sad, at the very end, there's in the slight little corner of her mouth, there's a slight little grin, and it is eerie. She has a, a, little, a, little, a little film of a, a famous lie told by, that, that Americans know and by the, by the uh, political official who told this lie. She has a, a picture of it and watching his face, and we all now know that it's a lie. And, and it's, it's, it's fascinating. And so that's called Duper's Delight. That, so, sounds, now what happened? that sounds like they then developed themselves. You know, we were in the rationalization number five, and now you kind of, he was kind of developing his technique, which is level six. And I can't believe how fast our time is going. And uh, to our listeners out there, I'm telling you, look at these, see these, understand these, and you're going to be able to tell when people are aligned. You're going to have that discernment. We're up uh, against another break, and it's so beautiful because without these endorsing sponsors, we could not stay on the air, and we could not have the quality of people and the topics that we do have that God brings to us. And today we're talking about um, the seven levels of lying with Dr. Sarah Sumner of Right on Mission. We're going to take that break as we give credit to our endorsing sponsors. And we've got to talk about probably level six and seven a little bit and then summarize. So don't go away. And we're going to tell you how you can get a copy of this when we get back from commercial break. Did you know that God designed the body to heal and function on its own? Hi, I'm Jimmy, founder and owner of Synergy Nutrition and Wellness here in Western New York. We teach our patients how to thrive holistically with natural therapies and whole food supplements. If you've been suffering with health problems, it's time for a natural approach. You have the power to take control of your health. To schedule an appointment with a Synergy team member, please call us at 716-264-4248. You can also check us out online at 716synergy.com. Imagine your heart stops beating for 23 minutes and your loved ones are told you would either be brain dead or dead by the morning. I don't have to imagine that because it happened to me, but because of the power of prayer, I'm alive today. Hi, I'm Dominic Seccaroli, and as a result of my storm, total breakthrough was birth. If you have a prayer request, send it today by going to our website, totalbreakthrough.org, and click on the prayer link at the top of the page. Thank you and God bless. Feeling alone, depressed, unsure of the next step? Just talking to someone who has been in your shoes, who knows what you're going through can make all the difference in the world. No problem too big or too small. In His Name Outreach has now added counseling through FaceTime, Skype, and various other options to meet your needs. We also offer classes remotely through a Zoom format. Come enjoy a class or counseling appointment from the comfort of your home. Call In His Name Outreach at 716-464-3681. For I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29 11. Feeling lost and confused about things? 
Here's today's Living Hope. Hey, welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Sarah Sumner from Right on Mission about the seven levels of lying. And if you would like a copy of this article that she wrote for Christianity Today, Seven Levels of Lying, all you have to do is email at info at rightonmission.org. Sarah, this is such a beautiful teaching illustration of understanding about lying. Um, I'm hoping our listeners are really digesting this and are going to want a copy of this to even ponder and think about this more. So we're at about level between five and six, moving on to seven. Help us to understand the rest. Okay. So I'm going to run through the lies. Okay. Not, uh, the, run through the, not the lies, the levels. <laughs> level one is you lie. Level two is that you lie about having lied. Level three, you're in the habit of lying. Level four, now you're self-deceived. It's very dangerous. Mm. You are self-deceived. Do you know somewhere deep in there you know you're self-deceived? You did it on purpose. But you've self-deceived because you're at level five. Once you get to that level four, it's, 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 unless you repent, you're going to dive into level five, and you're going to rationalize your lies. And you're going to tell yourself your lies aren't lies, which is level five, even worse lying. Then level six, you're going to work your different moments and, and reframe different moments and frame the, instead of framing things in terms of truth, you're going to frame them in, tor- in terms of your, your alternative reality that, that is facilitating your lies because you're too scared to be honest and too afraid to be truthful. That's level six. Level six is, is technique. Level six is when you have the technique of, of drawing out another lie, reframing a situation in terms of lies, and then you gaslight other people. And then level seven is when you have a culture of lying. It's when duty, your duty, duty turns upside down, and your duty is to lie. Okay, so this happens whenever you have a rogue government, Mm. and the rogue government says you must lie. You cannot tell the truth. If you tell the truth, we'll punish you, and we might kill you. Seven-level liars stone the prophets. They literally pick up rocks and kill and stone the prophets. It happens in the Old Testament. It happened to Stephen, the first martyr, Yes. in, in the book of Acts. Stephen told the truth, and he was telling the truth of what actually happened. And there were certain religious leaders, and they didn't want to hear the truth, and it, picked their, it pricked their ears, it cut them to the quick, and they literally picked up stones, and they stoned him. And why they did it? Because he told the truth, and they couldn't bear it. C.S. Lewis has a book called, called uh, The Great Divorce, and in that book, he has an analogy of green grass, the lawn on your front yard, green grass being like the little grass blades, symbolically those grass blades being little truth blades, and almost like they would slice your feet, like you can't handle walking on the soft green grass because you're so attuned to lies. You have a divorce from truth, a divorce from God, and to where the truth of the soft green grass feels like blades slicing your feet. That's a very graphic picture of what happens when you, when you convince yourself that it's better to lie. It is very dangerous to lie. 
And so on the one hand, we want to be discerning and not fall for the lies of other people. And on the other hand, and, and primarily we want to pray, dear God, please help me have truth in my inmost heart. That's why David prays that in Psalm 51. Dear God, I pray mm. you desire truth in the inmost part. And that's where Jesus, the truth, we want him in our inmost part. Because he'll convict you. The Holy Spirit of truth will convict you. And if we tell the truth, we can build trust. If we build it, if we tell the truth, you know what? This is how we cleaned up A.W. Telzer Seminary when I was the when I was the dean. We, I had a truthful team. We told each other the truth. I rewarded people for telling me the truth. Mm. People were so scared to tell me the truth. They come in there. I have vivid memories of someone going, "Oh, Doctor Sumner, I'm so scared to tell you the truth. If I tell you the truth, I'm afraid I'm going to get fired." And I'm like, "You will not get fired by me. I will not fire you. I will reward you. I'm going to use my own personal money. I'm going to go buy you a gift." I'm going to put, give you a gift in front of everyone else, and we're going to applaud you because we're going to tell everybody, yay, look at this staff member. They told the truth. And I would host meetings mm. from different, different people from different departments in the university, and I would applaud people who dared, had the moral courage to tell me the truth. We found the truth. We got it chronicled down, and we fixed the problem. And we had higher enrollment than ever, higher financial success than ever in 34 years. And it was really a truth plan. We did a truth plan, and we did it by praying physically on our knees. And I would invite people, we're going to get down on our knees. We are physically going to pray to the God of truth. We're going to tell each other the truth. The truth is going to set us free, and we're going to build a seminary. And I didn't get to do that at Tozer because I didn't find a culture of truth there. But... God allowed me to start Right on Mission. Right on Mission is is a seminary. It is a school. It's a consulting firm. Yeah, it is. We're, we're, it, it's 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 all of this, and we and what we do is we help people, and, and we we can write your mission statement, your vision statement, your why statement. You can do your, we, you can learn how to do your mission. Our vision at Right on Mission is to see believers live on mission with moral mm. courage, and you're not going to be able to listen. You're not going to be able to live on mission if you're not truthful with yourself about who you are. Who you are is such a gift. You are a gift. God made every person in his image. Every person is a gift. And people get confused and think, I'm not a gift. And already that's a lie. Yeah, it absolutely is. If you find is. that lie, you're going to start lying about other things. You've always told me, and we've talked a lot about a lot of things, and you've always told me that, um, you know, being a whistleblower, bringing something that needs to be uh, taken care of in a truthful way so we can fix it in a godly way and actually restore and redeemed and uh, reconcile people and do it the right way. A whistleblower isn't the problem. The problem no. is is what the whistleblower is talking about. So exactly. we, we have just looked at the seven le levels of lying and you can see where it's happening and you can see it where it's happening perhaps in your home, your organization, your city, your schools, your church, your government. And that there's only one way to correct it. As we finish, we have about, hmm, probably about four minutes. And yes, you need to go to writeonmission.org and check these things out. And let's learn to do it the right way. So God not only builds you from the inside out in a truthful way, but we do it according to Scripture and God's way because there's no other way to do it. And wow, that starts turning everything around Sarah, our homes, our organization, oh, it anything. It's beautiful. It's what God intended, but we got to stop lying. Yes. And so the thing is, see, like I believe right now uh, in the broader culture, we have a culture of lying and people are afraid to tell the truth. But listen, the only way we can build a, a, a society 
a free society of love, a, a real society, and it's for us to tell the truth to each other so that when you pay the cashier, you, that you hand them a 20, and they, they, they admit, yes, that was a $20 bill, and they give you the real change that you deserve. Instead of saying, no, that wasn't a 20, that was a 10. Going, no, I gave you a 20. And so if people lie, you, you, you just it starts to break down relationships, it breaks down trust, and eventually breaks down society. Now, I want to say one more thing, because some of you who know the Scriptures might be saying, yeah, but what about Rahab? Rahab lied by hiding the spies, mm. and Rahab actually was a woman of faith. And here's what I would say to that: is okay. Number one, if you look in the book in New Testament, look in chapter look in chapter one, verse two of the book of Titus. In the book of Titus, it says, "God cannot lie. God, who is perfect, cannot lie. God is so truthful, God can't lie. There's one thing God can't do, and that's that God can't not be God." And God is God, and God is truth, and God can't not be truth. Okay? And so now that we take security in that. But now because God can't lie, that means it's never right to lie. Otherwise, there's something good that God can't do. Jesus never lied because lying's always wrong. However, sometimes we, we sin so much. There is so much sin in the camp, so many lies in the camp, that it seems like the most the most practically beneficial thing to do out of goodwill when you're trying to love somebody in a thickly, stickly, uh, contaminated culture that has so many lies in it, the best option is to lie. So let's take Rahab's situation. She's hiding spies. She's hiding the good, the good spies, okay? The God-fearing spies is who she's hiding because somebody's trying to kill them. And they're, they're, somebody's trying to murder them. So she hides them, and she lies. Now, it's a good thing that she was trying. When she did that, she's saving someone's life. So somebody could say, how is that wrong? And I would say, God is holy, and the, per, the whoever's trying to murder her shouldn't have been, murder the spies, shouldn't have been trying to do that. And now, now Rahab was in a, a, a situation she should never have been in. And so we lied our way into a problem to where, what is she going to do? Turn them over? Or is she going to lie? She lied. Now, here's the thing. We don't know how that story would have gone had she told the truth. And see, we tell ourselves, oh, well, if she had, to, if she had delivered them, they would for sure would have gotten murdered. And I would ask this question, how do we know? Mm. What if something else would have happened? We don't know if God would have had an earthquake happen right that moment. We don't know if they would have if they, if, if 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 they would have um, decided. Oh, you know what? What are we thinking? We don't need to murder you. Good grief! We've got a problem. And what we don't know. And so the thing is, you know, in that story, we see uh, we see a situation where it it from all of our from a from a from our own limited point of view, it seems like that was better. You know, would I lie to somebody? I have to ask myself, wow, would I hide somebody and and lie? And go, oh dear God, forgive me. When I, if somebody was trying to get a child and I was protecting a child, would I deliver that child? I'm like, dear God, this is such a catch twenty two. Mm-hmm. So now, so so instead of us getting into the ethics of, you know, what do you do when you're in an impossible situation? The point is this: you, we can sin our way into and creating impossible situations for each other. And the big, the biggest sin is that we created an impossible situation for each other. And so now in that, going, dear God, my only option is do I sin this way or do I sin that way? And so 
we've sinned our way into giving ourselves only sin options. And that's why we have to tell the truth. The truth. Amen. And so that we don't get ourselves into those situations. You know, and so to go, Rahab is in the hall of faith, but but Rahab hid the spies in peace. And so our God knows, and God has compassion on that. And so we don't want to be so, um, we don't want to be pharisaical about this to where we're straining a gnat and swallowing a camel, you know, and say we're delivering people to be murdered just so we can say, oh, wow, I'm so proud of myself. I didn't tell the little lie. We don't want to do that. But what we do want to do is say, dear God, help us to have truth in our inmost part. And so that if you ever lie, you repent from that lie. You tell God, I just lied and I don't want to lie about having lied. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sarah. And you can get this through our podcast. Hear this again or up on my website by Tuesday, todayslivinghope.org. If you want a copy of this article, all you have to do is email info at rightonmission.org. Thank you, Sarah Sumner. We're at the top of the hour, and we will be right back. Imagine your heart stops beating for 23 minutes, and your loved ones are told you would either be brain dead or dead by the morning. I don't have to imagine that because it happened to me, but because of the power of prayer, I'm alive today. Hi, I'm Dominic Seccaroli. I received a miracle that day, and as a result of my storm, total breakthrough was birth. My team and I have ministered to hundreds of thousands of people across the U.S. and Canada and have received tens of thousands of prayer requests. When you submit your prayer request, our team of partners not only will pray for you, but will also follow up with you by phone or email. God is still in the miracle working business, and I'm living proof of that. If you have a prayer request, I invite you to send it today by going to our website, totalbreakthrough.org, and click on the prayer link at the top of the page. That's totalbreakthrough.org. Thank you, and God bless. Welcome to 600 River Road Apartments and Townhouses, where waterfront living meets luxury and comfort. Centrally located between Buffalo, New York and Niagara Falls. Call us today at 716-587-8700 or visit us on the web at 600river.com. Experience life on the water at 600 River Road. Today's Living Hope has been a blessing to you and so many WDCX listeners. Host Linda Penn is here for you as she continues to bring you the best in conversation every Saturday from 1 to 3 p.m. to help you find hope to fulfill your purpose and destiny for living. You've grown in your spiritual walk with the Lord and want to support the efforts of this incredible ministry. Learn more about how you can become a sponsor or advertising partner today. If you are a business or individual, you can donate to Today's Living Hope nonprofit organization. All donations are tax deductible. Email lindapenn at todayslivinghope.com or call 716-906-4620. Today's Living Hope, empowering people with purpose and destiny. Feeling lost and confused about things? Here's today's Living Hope. Hey, welcome back. Since I heard that um, on our commercials, we're coming back in. Um, Our endorsing sponsors are just phenomenal, and it does help us keep on the air. We also have more expenses to just keeping on the air advertisement and keeping this solidly for two hours. So if you would like to make a donation, you can go to todayslivinghope.org and donate online, or you can send a check or cash made out to Today's Living Hope, Post Office Box 562, Getsville, New York, 
1-800-273-14068. Well, in this second hour, I'm having Dr. Sarah Sumner here again because I just thought, boy, I've got her on the phone. I'm going to keep her and we're going to do a double whammy. So we just um, talked in the first hour about the seven levels of lying. And this next, next topic is something that's been on my heart and my mind just because of where we are, where we are in our government, where we are in society, where we are, where we are as Christians, where we are as what's happening to us, where are we going to be in the future? And I wanted to talk, I asked Sarah to come on about uh, this topic of moral courage and what does that mean? Because so many people are fearful. So many people want to take a stand, don't know how to take a stand, but I don't think we understand um what moral courage is and so I wanted to have Sarah on and we're going to answer these questions and I just want to tell you what they are ahead of time uh, as we progress through this second hour what is moral courage what it is and what it isn't what does it take to find moral courage what does moral courage even look like why is moral courage just so important and um, Sarah, as she kind of casts a vision of us for a movement of moral courage in our direction today for this hour's program. And then I really want to end the hour by having some prayer. So, uh, Sarah, thank you for being on for the second hour. I know you're um, calling in from California and it is Saturday. And I'm just so thankful that you're on board with us. So share with us what moral courage is and what moral courage is not. Well, thank you, Linda. It's good to be here again. And, you know, right now I'm teaching a whole course on I this. Know. I'm teaching, uh, I'm teaching a, a class called Moral Courage. So if anybody wants to take this and, and get into it a lot deeper, you know, um, you can just go to writeonmission.org and, and, uh, and get on there and, or, or email info at writeonmission.org and say, hey, I wish I could be in that class. Could you host it again? Could offer that class again? Because I'd be happy to do that. Um, so Moral Courage Everybody listening to this, moral courage is a function of love. Moral courage is a function of love. It's, it's, a, it's an exercise of love. You see, people think moral courage, you know, you think, oh, moral courage, that means you're going you're gonna to rise up and you're going to go against somebody and you're going to have to do something, that you're, you're going to have to have this boldness, you're going to have to, you're going it, to, it's counterintuitive to think it's love. Moral courage is a function of love. It, here's what it's not. It's not willfulness. It's not stubborn willfulness for the sake of yourself alone. It's it's not it's not uh, it's not self focused. It's others focused. It's it's love. Moral courage simply is the courage to do what is right. So if you're going to have the courage to do what's right, what is right is a loving thing. Because if it wasn't loving, it wouldn't be right. The best thing is what's loving. So moral courage is a function of love. Moral courage is the courage to do what is right. Moral courage has vision. See, if you have if you have the moral courage to stand up, and when I say stand up, I don't even, I don't mean physically stand up. You can do the sit down in a chair, but it, what I'm talking about is relationally, conversationally, standing up for what is right. Sometimes what is right is what is true. Sometimes what is right is what is compassionate. Mm. Sometimes what is right has a matter of timing and saying, hold it, not now. They have the moral courage to do what is right. What is right, it's very situation-based. 
You have to have morality to have moral courage. And see, we live in a culture right now where people don't know what morality is and go, who's morality? You mean a reality according to this or this or this or this? And so people get confused about what moral courage is. And we, and we, we have to say, okay, well, let me back up and say, well, who's love? I mean, do we all agree that it's better to love than not love? Is it better to tell the truth than not tell the truth? People go, well, I don't know about the truth. Well, let me put it this way. Which would you rather have, love or fake love? Wow. Everybody wants, yep. everybody wants real love. And if you don't tell the truth, you're going to get fake love. So moral courage is a function of real love, and real love is truthful. So moral courage is truthful. Moral courage is the courage to do what's right according to morality, morality that promotes real love and truth. And so God is love. Jesus is the truth. So what, what, what our Lord offers us is the opportunity to be like him, to have moral courage. The most morally courageous person ever is Jesus. Now listen to this. Moral courage generates hope. Yes. It generates hope because it has a vision. Moral courage, okay, moral courage, moral courage has vision. Here's what it's not. It's not blind faith. People would think, okay, I'm going to have moral courage. I'm just going to close my eyes, and I'm just going to, like, leap out there. You know, and just kind of cross my fingers and I hope I have good luck. That is not moral courage because that's not grounded in truth, reality, morality. It's, it's steady footing. And when, when, you, when you exercise moral courage, you're stepping out on your own two feet. It's like you have hind feet. It's like somehow your feet are like a deer. You could just, you could just climb a mountain. That's, you've why got, it's, you've got those, that's why it's so important to teach truth. Not only in that our is home, why yeah, in our in the in the Word of God, and because the moral courage comes out of teaching morals, and the only morals that are not fake are the real, true morals, and that's from the Word of God. So I can already see where our gaps are, where our holes are, and how you are enlightening us in the definition of moral courage and who we are as Christian comes from the core of who we are in Christ, our identity and our values. And it's not, it's not a hype or it's not a bandwagon. It, it, it's not a war, but it's a movement of moral courage out of love because of the relationship with Christ in order to love others for truth to have moral courage. That's right. The top two commandments in Scripture are to love God foremost with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, all your mind, all your strength. And the second is like it. It's to love other people as yourself. In a, in a culture that is an anti-love culture, where people are, 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 are pressured to not love the other person, but to try to gouge them for the money you can get, to try to look better than they look, where everything's a comparison, it's a contest, and going, it's a zero-sum game, and saying, you know what, I'm going to win and you're going to lose, that's not a culture of love. And so when you're in a culture that is not a culture of love, it actually takes moral courage to love. Well, moral courage is a function of love, and it actually takes moral courage to love when you're in a culture that doesn't want people to love each other. <laughs> and I, every time I talk to you, I think of three more programs <laughs> we need to have, as you just really help to divide this, because we live in a world that we think if we stand up and share truth, 
uh, and we're not saying we have to be tolerant and accept everything, that's really false, fake love. That's fake love. And the thing is, see, to even have a culture of love, so it's like, and, and, and this, is, this is not controversial. Everybody wants a culture of love. Yes. I can't find anybody say, would you like to live in a culture of love? Yes, 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 yes. Okay? So all around. Now, people, get, people are confused about truth right now, going, I don't know mm-hmm. what I think about truth. Okay? But love, yes. And so if everybody wants love, then we go, let's, let's look at it this way. If people have the moral courage to love people, that brings hope. Moral courage generates hope because we have some hope now that we can, now that we can love each other. So if you're in a company and in your company you don't get to love people, you don't get to say, oh, man, I have compassion on you as a human being. Instead of going, nope, you're a worker, and you better get this work done right now. You've got to work four hours late today, and it doesn't matter how you feel. If you have a stomachache, you're just going to have to get over it, okay? If, if, you've got, if, if you've got a family member dying at home, too bad for you. You're just going to have to go ahead and do this, even though you've already worked your hours. And you're going to have to work hours that are overtime. We're not going to pay you. And if you don't do it, we're going to fire you. And going, oh, my goodness, this is not a culture of love. Now what do I do? Mm-hmm. Now, it takes moral courage to say, I've already worked my hours. I'm going home. It takes moral courage because now you might get fired. But you have a morality in your heart, and you've got a morality in your mind of going, I want to go home and be with my dying loved one. I'm going to do that, and, and I don't have to stay at work longer because I've already done my job. It takes moral courage to draw that boundary. It, here's, here's the deal. It takes moral courage to have self-respect. We live in a culture where, where the, vast, the, there's the, the pressure is severe for us to not have self-respect. And, you know, when we have believed the lies and the wrong beliefs, we have no values. We, know, we have no self-worth. We have no identity. We have fear. And that pushes us in c- control and survival and it's just as a vicious cycle that we really need to be set free from. And when you give us the definition of moral courage and what it is, I'm sitting here listening as our listeners are listening to what you're saying. And I'm saying, man, I want what she's saying. I want the explanation of it. I want the understanding of it. I want the freedom in it. And that's, that's right, what the you're freedom defining. to exercise it. Yes, and the freedom, and that's what true moral courage is, and it's being kind of stuffed down our throats that, that it's not, it's, it's conformity, it's not taking a stand for what is right, and then we have no values, we have no self-worth, and um, look what it's doing to us, and, yeah. because it's not only have we believed the lies and we believe the wrong beliefs, knowing the truth, and the truth will set you free to make you say, you know what, I can stand free in the truth and sharing the truth. And not only is the lie exposed, but when people really hear truth, I think they really start kind of leaning in to listen. Wow, this is this is truth. And this is what I've been looking for. We're right up to that 215 and we need to step aside and take a break. But thank you for this enlightenment. Thank you for this understanding. Thank you for dividing this apart for us so that the spirit of God is moving and working in our hearts and souls. We'll be right back. Today's Living Hope with your host, Linda Penn, and my special guest, Dr. Sarah Sumner from Right on Mission. 
For years, you've been suffering with health problems. You've seen one doctor after another, but your symptoms haven't gone away. It's time to seek a natural solution. When the right combination of natural health therapies and whole food supplements join forces, you have Synergy. Hi, I'm Jimmy, founder and owner of Synergy Nutrition and Wellness here in Western New York. At Synergy, we teach our patients how to thrive holistically because God designed the body to heal and function on its own. Your body's ability to heal is greater than anyone has permitted you to believe. We have successfully helped patients battling health issues like acid reflux, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, autism, autoimmune disease, infertility, and much, much more. You can take control of your health without relying on medications or surgeries. Get rid of the pain, depression, exhaustion, and so much more and start living the life you were meant to live. And it starts with a simple phone call. To make an appointment with a Synergy team member, please call us at 716-264-4248. You can also check us out online at 716synergy.com. In His Name Outreach is a nonprofit faith-based counseling and community resource center. In His Name Outreach provides a network of support using biblical principles to help you overcome and find freedom from prevalent issues like anxiety, stress, and the devastation of addiction. You can also choose from a variety of options such as certified coaching, recovery services, counseling, and so much more. The experienced staff specializes in the three E's, education, encouragement, and empathizing to build and restore brokenness. In His Name Outreach is here to help you get back on track so that you can be the person that God has meant for you to be. Check out the upcoming classes to step into the new field of peer advocacy. You can transform a life. To schedule your life-changing appointment, call today at 716-464-3681. That's 716-464-3681 or visit iknow.org. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 2911. That nervous feeling you get in your stomach is God telling you to join the conversation. Give Linda a call at 1-800-684-2848 or 883-5000. Hey, welcome back. I, while we were on break, I was talking to my great production engineer, Solomon Leatherland, and he told me about uh, our breaks and um, how they're arranged. And um, I think we're going to be able to talk more uh, in this segment at this hour and still get all of our endorsing sponsor breaks in. So Sarah, I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here because I know the other questions we want to answer, but I also um, see if you can um, give us examples of moral um, cowardness. I'm thinking of Pilate. I'm thinking of Peter. I'm thinking of what it means um, when we don't do the right thing. If we can kind of interject that some way in between here, I'm going to let you take control of that with the questions we still want to answer. But I just thought about that because there's, um, there's consequences uh, when we know what is right. And there's consequences when we don't, um, you know, we kind of justify or we don't do what we need to do and what those consequences consequences are from biblical scripture okay i put you on the spot mm -hmm. there yeah so, so i think what you're asking about is is comparing moral courage to cowardice yes so so okay so if we say if we have moral courage then we would have that we'd have immoral cowardliness right yes so if, if there's so we so 
anytime somebody's a coward, like I've never, I, I don't know anybody who thinks it's really good to be a coward. Like I really aspire to be a coward <laughs> and to cower back and when, it, when to do the right thing and for me to just capitulate and for me to be so scared and for me to be so focused on myself that I was a coward and I just kind of slunk back into the shadows and I didn't do what was right and I just kind of hunkered in the bunker all for myself. That is an uninspiring story. If you, if, let's think about it for a second. There's no movie where the protagonist is a coward. It's just a, a, a coward who's scared of everything, and everybody goes back and watches this terrible coward, right? Um, I, I, I don't know a popular movie that people can say, oh, wow, I'm so inspired by that coward. Nobody is, right? And so just despite whatever, whatever kind of um, set of values that a person has, most of us know that. Now, somebody might make a movie just to show, to show the... the um, the ugliness of cowardice, all right? And so what I do, like when I'm teaching this class, is I had everybody write down a time. Everybody, uh, one of our assignments was write down a situation when you did not have moral courage. Write mm-hmm. down what, when you did not ex- exercise moral courage, but you were mm-hmm. self-preservation oriented. You held back. You didn't tell on, you didn't, you didn't expose yep. the truth. You somehow capitulated and you actually, you're, you're actually a party that, that made things worse. Okay. And everybody has a story like that. I myself have a story like that. I know a story where there was, where I, I, I was aware of, uh, of, of, of impropriety of a, a pastor who had, impropriety in a relationship he had with a woman it wasn't it wasn't sexually manifest but it was it was in a a, a a very obvious emotional boundary that had been violated and the way that he related to this other person who was not his wife was wrong and i knew about it and i i didn't i didn't do anything about it i didn't confront either one of them i just was i didn't and you know even now i'm like quiet about it going dear god forgive me I, 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 I didn't, I didn't help bring out the best in them unto God. And so what should I have done? So the assignment is, what, what should I have done? So you're asking for examples. That, that's an example, like, in my life. And what I could have done is I could have said to him, you know what, I understand that the, 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 the two of you bring so much comfort to each other, but, but it's a false comfort, because there's something so wrong about this picture, and there's a marriage broken here, and there are people watching. And, 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 and it's not just what do people think. It's just that people need to see a pastor actually prioritizing God above a woman he's not married to, an emotional relationship with a woman he's not married to. Well, right? Yes. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because um, as you're explaining these things, and these, you know, and... In, in, um, dissecting it for us and put it in the context of which God has wanted it for us. You know what? I'm already thinking in my flesh, but um, gosh, I need to, you know, what if I need to feel safe or uh, gosh, there's going to be consequences if I stand up for moral courage or um, I know what is right, but you know, um, and to be honest, and for our listeners out there, I think we're thinking about this. We're thinking, okay, this is right. This is good. But when it sits on my doorstep and it's been brought to me, how, what does it take and how do I find then that moral courage? Yeah. 
Well, and the thing about it, I think you're right, Linda, that I think people's probably biggest fear at the bottom line, I mean, people don't want to lose their money, but the big thing people don't want to lose, they don't want to, they don't want to lose their, their, their um, belonging. People don't want Mm. to be fired. You don't want to be canceled. You don't want to be kicked out of the family. You don't want to be, you don't want to be disinvited from the table. You don't want to be excommunicated. You don't want to be blackballed. yeah. You don't want to be blackballed, and the thing is, you don't want to be spat out and saying you 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 know you're outside the camp, which by the uh. way is where Jesus was crucified outside the camp. And so when you're that people people don't, people want to belong and going okay, and and it's some time ago, Linda, you said the word conformity, and mm-hmm. I think you were right on with that too. If people go, I'll just conform to the lie, I'll conform to the lack of love, I'll conform to what we all know is wrong. And I'll just conform, so at mm. least I belong. At least I'll be with all the people who are doing the wrong thing that I'm joining them in doing. At least I'll belong, because people get afraid of being on the outside. And what happens is moral courage has a vision of how things could be better. And so moral courage is not blind faith. Moral courage has vision. And, and, and that vision is what brings hope. So we could say moral courage is a function of love. It is not willfulness for the sake of yourself. Moral courage has vision. It is not blind faith. Moral courage generates hope. It's not vainglorious. It's not making up some kind of fantastic thing. Moral courage is allegiance to reality. And so this is what one of my students said just the other week, that moral courage is allegiance to reality. So what you're saying is, mm. okay, I'm going to stand up, and I'm going to do what is right. I'm going to have the moral courage to do what is right, even if I get kicked out, even if I'm dismissed, because I'm going to be, I'm going to have my allegiance to God. I'm going to have my allegiance to reality where God is. And God is, God is who I'm going to, I won't be alone. I'll be with God. I won't, you know, Jesus says, hello, I'm with you. I, Jesus, I'm with you always even to the ends of the earth. So you go, oh, wow, I got deceived. When I got scared, I got deceived, and I thought, I'll get kicked out, I'll be alone. And, and I, I fell for a lie, going, no, you won't be alone. And what's going to find, what, here's what I found out, because I've, I, have, I have done this, and, and, it's, and it is scary, it's dark, it feels lonely, and the next thing you know, you open your eyes and like, wow, I'm not alone, I'm with God, and I'm with all these other people who also told the truth. <laughs> I'm with these other people who actually, who actually dared to love people, and now I'm with the most loving, honest people I've ever been with, and we're all looking around going, wow, this is called church. Yeah, I you know? uh, I talked to a person the other day. It's out, he's out of state, and I asked him because I know what he did and what he stood up for, and the moral courage and what he went through. And I said, um, I said, really, I said, if you had it to do over again, would you do it again? And you know, he really paused for a little bit, and I thought, gee, I wonder what he's thinking about. And uh-huh. I, I he paused, and he said, yes, I would. And then I asked him another question, and I said, why? And he said, it's because I couldn't live with myself if I didn't do the right thing, even that though... That right what, back to the self-respect, exactly. Yes, that's right. And, and having uh, how to find that moral courage, because um, he said, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't speak up with the moral courage to tackle what needed to be tackled, because of he wasn't thinking of himself. He was thinking of the presence, the kingdom building, and the future for God and Christ, uh, and he knew that he knew that he had to, um, you know, he could have really said, uh, are you kidding? I'd never do that again <laughs> or whatever. And then to answer the why question, because we have I to know. answer the why questions for ourselves, because we are to have moral courage. 
If we're Christians in the intimacy of the word of God, living for him, and it's inerrant word of God, and it's who we say we stand on and who we are in our DNA, there honestly is not another option. Is there? Yes. You know, anecdotally, I've done that. I've asked people who who had observable moral courage. They have a story to tell when they stood up for what is right. And every single one of them, I've asked them the same question, and they're all glad they did it. Listen, I have found people who regret not having moral courage, but I've mm. never found anybody who mm. regrets having moral courage. Uh, good point. Good point. You yeah. know, and so... Mm. So back back to your question about people being afraid and going, how do you actually find moral courage? This is a little bit counterintuitive. Okay, if you want to find moral courage, here's what you need. You need knowledge. Okay, now people mostly think, oh, I just need guts. Okay, I just could close my eyes and have blind faith and just jump off the cliff. That is not moral courage. Moral courage is logical. Remember I was talking about having like having feet like hind feet where you're walking up a mountain. You're, you are You are on... You are not, you are not um, taking some kind of irrational leap. Moral courage is not irrational. It's realistic. It's, it, and, and, and here's the thing, is it's based in knowledge. Listen, Job had moral courage. Job, in the book of Job, Job is, he's a patient one who is famous for suffering. And what did Job say? He said, I know. I know that my Redeemer lives. Hmm. He had knowledge. The Bible says, God says this, he says, my people are perishing for lack of knowledge. Knowledge. See, and when you know something, and this is why Right on Mission is a school. Right on Mission is an educational, it's an educational um, entity where we're trying to get people the knowledge. Because when you know something, you go, I'm standing up because I know this. I know I won't be alone. I, I know it, it's all temporary. I know the darkness is passing away. I know the world is passing away. I know my Redeemer lives. I know that, I know that I'm not the only prophet. I could, I could feel like Elijah and say, I'm the only person out here telling the truth. That's not true. There are other people out there doing the same. I'm the only person going through this. Nope. The Bible says there are other people who are having, they're experiencing the same kind of temptations. You're not alone. You feel alone. You might be physically alone for a time, but it is temporary. And when you know things, and there are many things to know, when you know things about God, you're going, I know that God hates lies. I know that God doesn't lie. I know that God cannot lie. And, and, there, and, you, and you, you have a long list of things you know, and you're not, you don't just know them as bullet points. You know how they fit together, and you know how to think, and you know how to be there. You know how to be present. And you have different, vast um, aspects of knowledge and understanding. It's not just factoids. But you actually have understanding, and you understand it to the point that, listen, you can be calm. You can walk in there and go, wow. Mm. And this is what I've noticed for me, because I told you before, when I first got in this, and I was a naive, I call myself a recovering Sunday school girl, and I was so (laughs) naive, and I thought people were like me, because, man, the women, we didn't have the money. Women's ministry is not, hey, if you want to loot the church for the big money, it's not in women's ministry, okay? (laughs) And so... The women, we, we weren't used to having the money. We actually loved God. We actually believed in Him. We were actually praying real prayers to real God. So as a, this naive Sunday school girl who ends up being, you know, a woman doing women's ministry, I had to mm-hmm. recover and repent. I had to repent 
from naivete, which it means a lack of knowledge. Yes, amen. I'm 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 with you, sister. <laughs> I'm with you. Believe okay. me. Okay. So I had to repent from that. And we've got Catholic altar boys who have this. They're like, hey, the Catholic altar boys, and they're going, hey, I'm just like those Sunday school girls. And going, okay. So what we have to do is go. You all, we have to learn. And we need to open our Bibles and learn, and we need to also we also need to learn math. We need to learn how to read. We need reading comprehension. We need to have some cultural savvy. We need to have emotional maturity. We need to learn how to listen. We need to learn how to listen with patience because God can do a work in you. And and this is my testimony. I've gone from being that 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 naive Sunday school girl to being shocked and appalled to being so repentant and weeping before God's altar and just daily repenting, going, teach me, Lord, help me, help me to have wisdom, to me going, finding these lies and this lack of moral courage and so much compromise, and me going home, to me going, all right, Sarah, trust God. And now for me knowing things where he's calmed me. And Psalm 131 says he'll make you like a weaned child who rests against his mother. And to be calm and go, it's like, like, like Jesus said to Peter, he said, Simon, Peter's name also is Simon, he said, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Mm-hmm. He says, but I have prayed for you so that after you have turned, you strengthen the brethren. And that verse was for me, and going, Satan has demanded permission to sift me like wheat. I got sifted like wheat, and I have a story to tell about that. I have had had a lawyer hurling accusations against me and and accusing me precisely because I took a stand and said that that I had given my life to Christ, and I was a dean, and I'm being punished for this, okay? And so I, I have been sifted. And I could tell many details about this, but I, but 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 Jesus has prayed for me, and I know that. Mm. And now I have turned, and I've turned away, and I'm not afraid. I'm not I'm not worried, and I'm amazed that I'm not worried. I'm like, wow, Lord, you did a work in me. I'm right. If people knew my situation right now, I am hemmed in by false accusations mm-hmm. and abuse of power and abuse of authority, and I'm not afraid. And and God is God has 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 let me get into this so that I can tell people. Some somebody listening out there, you might be hemmed in right now by abuse of power, and there is a way for you when you gain knowledge. And you can gain, you can find moral courage. You know, and and to not be afraid. Each of us in our relationship with Jesus Christ and salvation, yes, we we're going to go to heaven. But in that, in the lordship of Christ, that brokenness, that stripping, that pruning, and what He's doing, so we can passionately be solid in who we are and serving Him, Uh, even in moral courage. I'm saying there has to be part of us that are is broken, for us to be able to stand and find the moral courage. And it seems like, as I look around and see what's happening to us, I see what isn't happening to us or for us. When I see apathy, complacency, sin, canceled culture, I don't care where you find it, whether it's in your home, your city, wherever. To find the moral courage in the knowledge of who Jesus is, there has to be a brokenness to know who we are in Christ. I remember when God laid on my heart for the calling, and he said, Linda, you better know who called you and Mm -hmm. why I called you. Or you'll never make it. That's exactly right. Isn't that call on yes. each yeah, one of us individually, no matter the career, the passion, or the avenue? And that's where we have to find that moral courage? That's exactly right. I, You know, I made a list of what we can do to have moral courage. And the number one thing on my list is remember your first love. 
That's right. Remember your first love, our Lord God, who forgave us. And that's where the brokenness comes in of going, Lord, I, have, I, I, I am a sinner. I am part of the problem. And, and Lord, I, I, I want you to fill me with your spirit. I want you to enliven me with, with the living, risen Lord Jesus himself and, you, and animate me. Yeah, and I, as I have watched you and have learned from you, in those relationships, and the reason you do what you're doing is because of that redemptive power, because of that experience, not only to remember who we are in Christ, that he saved us, and we have yet been sinners, and so we also remember where we have come from as sinners. In your, how you did things at A.W. Tozer was not to condemn, not to pull political stunts, not to get rid of anyone, but to bring everything on the table, to expose for the redemptive power, to know that God works in all of us, all of us have sinned to come short of the glory of God, and that we really are walking in that for redemption, restoration, and reconciliation. That's what confrontation is. It's not to nail anybody, to try to figure it out how to get rid of them and how to still whatever the motive is, any thing is god works in complete opposites of the flesh and of evil so to me that's what right on mission is about to me that's what moral courage is about to me that's That's what christ is calling us to be if you are a believer i'm just sitting here nodding my head linda that's that's right moral courage has vision and you have vision of how things could be how they ought to be how they can be if we we'll, if we if we together we surrender ourselves to the Lord and we let God guard us by us mm. obeying God and by remembering God remembering Amen. our first love and and so you're right it's not about having somebody else kicked out see this is this gets back to that zero sum game where somebody thinks oh wait a second if 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 we tell the truth then you'll be superior than I am and going no that's a lie. None of us are superior to each other. We're not. Nope. And, 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 there, and there's a place for all of us. It's a, what, one of the visions I have is for, well, let me put it to this way. This is my own personal mission because, because a big way to find moral courage is to find out what your personal mission statement is. Yes. My personal mission statement is to build integrity in the church. I've had that for over 30 years. So it didn't belong decades before I came to two decades before I came to to A.W. Tozer Theological Seminary. My personal mission statement was to build integrity in the church. I love wholeness. Think of the word integer. It's a whole number, not a fraction. I want integer of the church, whole number. I want the wholeness of the church, the men and the women together, the different people of whatever kind of ethnicity Mm -hmm. we are, all the different people, all the ages, however much money you have, whatever, people who have a background of being, you know, a good Sunday school person and somebody who else has a trashy background of doing who knows what, all of us together, because the Lord forgives us all. I want to see integrity in the church, which means I don't want to see corruption. I don't want to see lies. I don't want to see foul play and abuse of authority and people taking advantage and siphoning money and using using Christian universities as financial instruments and laundering money and all kinds of garbage and different things that I have actually seen happen. Mm-hmm. And that is not God's way. And so to have integrity, to go, hold it, the Christian university, especially the seminary, is supposed to be a place where people learn about God. And most people aren't going to go into church ministry. So the Christian university is critical for that to be a place of 
integrity. As a matter of fact, it's critical for every local church to be a place of integrity. The church should be the most intellectually stimulating place in town where we can ask any question we want, and people can actually learn and find a culture of truth where people actually love you, Mm -hmm. a culture of love. And to do that requires my contribution to it and yours and yours and yours and yours. And we all must have the moral courage to build this together because we live in a fallen world where there's a riptide. The the earth has a riptide in it. And I hope we've all noticed this by now going, why is there such a pull? That pull, I'm calling it a riptide. It's the presence of of, of dark spiritual forces. Our enemy is not spe- flesh and blood. No. The problem isn't the person. Even the board chair who lied, he's not the, he's not the enemy. Oh, absolutely not. The the maggots in the bed are spiritual (laughs) entities that are not human beings. They are, they are, they're demonic presence. It is not people. People are not the enemy. So when we stand up for moral courage, it's for the sake of the people, even the perpetrator. The perpetrator Mm -hmm. is not the enemy. The, uh, The perpetrator is the victim of the dark spiritual force. And so moral courage is praying for the, vic- for the victim and the perpetrator. Moral courage has a vision for all of us to, 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 to love each other. And with that accountability and openness and, and actually taking off the mask and being honest, just like you were um, talking and uh, what it is, understanding and the knowledge of that. So um, I think we're going to take a break now and then we come back. Uh, I know there's more we need to talk about on moral courage. And I think we're explaining it. Um, what it looks like. Um, I think we're saying why is it so important and now how to have that movement of moral courage is so, so important in our homes all the way up and all the way back. So this is today's Living Hope with your host, Linda Penn, and my guest has been Sarah Sumner. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about um, what her website is about. We're going to talk about what's coming up on March the 15th at 7 o'clock because that virtual event, you're going to have time for question and answers. Plus, we're going to talk about that mission uh, vision and how to move forward uh, as in, in business and in our personal lives. Um, we're going to take a break. Don't go away. We're going to be right back. Did you know that God designed the body to heal and function on its own? Hi, I'm Jimmy, founder and owner of Synergy Nutrition and Wellness here in Western New York. We teach our patients how to thrive holistically with natural therapies and whole food supplements. If you've been suffering with health problems, it's time for a natural approach. You have the power to take control of your health. To schedule an appointment with a Synergy team member, please call us at 716-264-4248. You can also check us out online at 716synergy.com. Imagine your heart stops beating for 23 minutes and your loved ones are told you would either be brain dead or dead by the morning. I don't have to imagine that because it happened to me, but because of the power of prayer, I'm alive today. Hi, I'm Dominic Seccaroli, and as a result of my storm, total breakthrough was birth. If you have a prayer request, send it today by going to our website, totalbreakthrough.org, and click on the prayer link at the top of the page. Thank you and God bless. Feeling alone, depressed, unsure of the next step? Just talking to someone who has been in your shoes, who knows what you're going through can make all the difference in the world. No problem too big or too small. In His Name Outreach has now added counseling through FaceTime, Skype, and various other options to meet your needs. We also offer classes remotely through a Zoom format. Come enjoy a class or counseling appointment from the comfort of your home. Call In His Name Outreach at 716-464-3681. For I know the plans I have for you, plans not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29 11. 
Hey, we're in this life together. Today's Living Hope with Linda Penn. You know what? We are in this life together. And um, today's Living Hope is about facing the reality of today through the Word of God in a relationship with Him to not only find hope for today, but hope for tomorrow. And thank you, Sarah, for coming on my program and talking about the topics that we've had today because they're so encouraging and they give us hope. And um, our hope is that we have to do it God's way and we have to be in that surrendered um actually taking time to confess our own sins and wanting to be used and finding answers because that's the way he takes the chaos out of life and brings us truth and is able to move us forward. So as um, I really encourage people to go to your website, rightonmission.org, and so many things to learn about. Um, there are free webinars to take a two-hour study in a book of the Bible with Sarah. There's topics, there's courses, there's classic um, classes to take. There's how to write your own mission statement, a vision statement. Um, it's just beautiful. It's all the yeah, things that you, you offer. Would, yeah, and can I clarify? We don't have you write your own mission statement. See what's so neat at Right on Mission is all you, do, all you have to do is just, you just sign up for your mission statement and you just have a conversation. And yes. Right on Mission will write your mission yes. statement for you. I actually write mission statements for people. So all we do is we talk. God gave me a gift to write your mission statement for you. It's it's. It's, it's just a relaxed conversation on your part, and Right on Mission does all the work. Well, and having been through that on different, several different levels, you are the vision, vision, and why whisperer. I mean, God has given you a gift that is just outstanding, outstanding. And you're going to be talking again about moral courage on Monday night on the um facebook live uh, christian business board please go to that facebook and hey register right there march the 15th seven o'clock and sarah's going to come on and she's going to speak and she's going to allow a time for question and answers and i'm really excited about that our christian business board uh, dot com website is up and so many other good things happening well as we kind of we're at uh, 2:45 here and we're going to go to the top of the hour cast a vision for this movement of moral courage sarah everybody you all have a part no matter who you are if you're like well you know what i'm not famous i I don't i'm not very good at school i i don't i don't know what my part is okay everybody has a part in a movement for moral courage and the first thing you can do is you can is you can you can surrender your life to the lord god and you tell God, you say, God, I want to be part of a movement for moral courage. And he'll let you in. Everybody can be in. I, I, I guarantee you, you, you can be in. But you got to do it God's way. So that means you got to tell the truth, which is the second thing. And when you tell the truth, you're going to find that you're going to find faith. The reason why people don't have faith in God is because they're not telling the truth. If you tell the truth, that's going to motivate you to pray, okay? You're going you're gonna to go, well, I'm not good at praying. If you tell the truth, you're going to find yourself in a foxhole pretty fast. And you're going to be able to pray. And so you're going to, you're going to surrender your life to the Lord. You're going to tell the truth. You're going to be in, in that foxhole, and you're going to be praying. And what you're going to find is you're going to have opportunities. And these opportunities are to do what is right. And that means you have opportunities to love people. You have opportunities to encourage people to do what is right. You have opportunities mm. to not go along. When, when somebody's telling a joke at somebody else's expense, let's say somebody's telling some kind of racial slur and it's an it's a, it expense of someone else, you don't have to laugh. Don't laugh. 
And if you don't laugh when other people are laughing, right there, that's moral courage. That's sparking mm. a movement for moral courage. If, if there's somebody who's alone because they don't have as much money as somebody else, and you see, and when I say alone, they're physically distanced is what I mean. You can, it takes moral courage to go associate with that person and go sit down and have lunch with them. You can, listen, you can have moral courage as an institution. You can be an institution. If you're on the board of an institution, your institution itself, the nonprofit that you're part of, that nonprofit can have moral courage by doing your finances correctly. Don't siphon off any money. Actually do honest accounting. You can, you can, you can, you can, you can make sure that you have good reporting systems. I could go on and on listing things. You know what, how you have a movement for moral courage? Is you do what you know is right. You do what God says is right. You, 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 you don't just learn the Bible so you can brag and say, hey, I know what James 5.16 says. What you do is you apply the Bible. You actually live it out. We have so many opportunities for moral courage. You can have moral courage by being in a hard marriage, and you stay in that marriage. If it's an abusive marriage, and you're actually your physical safety, like you really might have a broken bone, then you have the moral courage to call the police. You call for help. And you're like, oh, no, that'll be awful. Mm. You have the moral courage to have self-respect and take care of yourself. If you're caught in a sin and you're like, I can't stop, well, that's the way we all are. Everybody's like, oh, no, I can't stop. You have the moral courage to join a group and, and tell on yourself and get support. It's amazing how much progress you can make. You can, moral courage is vast. It applies to every single field, whether it's your home, whether it's your work life, whether it's your schoolwork, whether it's you doing your taxes. You can have moral courage on the road by driving the speed limit. You can have moral courage on the road by not having road rage. You can have the moral courage to, to when somebody, somebody flips you off, that you don't flip them off back, that you don't react. There are so many opportunities. Every opportunity to love is mm. an opportunity to spark a movement for moral courage because moral courage is a function of love. And when you love, you're actually counting the, per- the, the other person's interest as even more important than your own. And you're loving them as you love yourself. People say, well, I don't love myself. And go, I've never seen anybody, the Bible doesn't even know of anybody who didn't love themselves. Because what people say, well, I don't love myself. Well, let me tell you what that is. That's pride in saying, I don't love myself because I wanted to be superwoman. I wanted to be superman. And I'm not superman or superwoman or super, you know, whatever kind of person I think that I should be. I should be super, super me. And, and, and now I'm all down in the dumps, but I'm not super me. And so, see, I don't love me. And go, well, no, this means you're highly committed to yourself because you're in the dumps because you're not super you. And if, if you had humility, you would say, well, who am I to be super me? I don't have to be super me. How about if I just worship super God? And if you worship super God, all of a sudden you feel filled up. See, moral courage, a movement for moral courage helps empty people be filled with the love of God. And now we can have love to share with each other. And so when you don't have moral courage, you shrink back and you actually let yourself get gouged, exploited, uh-huh. and taken over by other people. Yes. Whether, they're, whether you're a pawn and they're lifting you up and paying you lots of money to just read the script and go with the lie, or if they're just actually taking from you. And see, what, that's, why, that's why people are not the enemy. It's the dark spiritual forces that are the enemy that are gouging people. And so what we want to do is so a movement for moral courage is when we value human beings. We value people. Mm. And we do it and, and we do it in God's way to help people be whole and to help people be loved. 
and to help people see there's a better way. Moral courage casts vision. I'm casting a vision of you casting a vision for moral courage. Sure. I'm casting a, casting a vision of, of us being people of hope. Because here's what I hear. People say, well, you know what? There's just nothing I can do about it. You can't fight City Hall. There's nothing I can do about it. I would venture to say that is a lie. Mm-hmm. There's something you can do about it. As a matter of fact, there are many things you can do about it. I have lists of things that you can do about it. You know, and, and, and if you want to learn... You have to have knowledge to know things you can you can do about it. You can you can learn to have good timing, for instance. A lot of people forget it. A lot of truth tellers, their like last talent in life is timing the truth well. You can learn how to have wise timing. Wise timing is absolutely critical. You can learn how to be quick to hear, and be slow to speak, and slow to anger. You can you can. It takes more courage to take responsibility for your decisions. When you do something wrong, you can admit it and go up. Oh, you know, right there, I didn't make that mistake. Or you can say, oh, right there, I was sharp with you. I was impatient. My pride got a hold of me, and I take responsibility for my pride and my impatience and my sharp remark. I'm so sorry that happened to you, and I'm so sorry that happened to you because of me. And I, I am, I'm going to do different exercises, and I'm going to be with people, and, and I'm asking God to change me and make me like Jesus. So I don't do that to you, and I really mean that. I'm honestly sorry. And if, if you do something, you destroy someone's property, you restore their property. If you break their window, you don't just say, hey, I'm really sorry for breaking your window. Good luck. You go, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get your window fixed, and I'll pay for mm-hmm. it, and I'll make it the window how you, how you had your window. I won't buy a cheaper window. I'll get you your window. And, the, and moral courage restores. Moral, moral courage restores. We can all restore those, you know, at least with, 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 with the way of us having a soft heart when we used to bring to them a hard heart. Mm-hmm. There's so many things we can do. It's not true that there's nothing we can do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the things that you named, you, the more you are explaining that, the more I think about of things you can do and how we can do it and, and get back to really who Jesus is, who Jesus is in our own life and how we are to be in our in our homes or where we work and that light that goes out um, and that favor that he brings for people to he- even hear the gospel. Um, tell me about your moral courage course. Well, this Moral Courage course is at Right on Mission, R-I-G-H-T-O-N-M-I-S-S-I-O-N. This course has already started, but we can offer it again. I'm teaching the course, and I love teaching it. We have a faculty. I'm not the only one who teaches. I just happen to be the one teaching this course. And we're studying the book of Esther, and we're studying it at a level that I, I have never seen before um, um, in any kind of church setting or Bible study I've ever been in, because we're looking at Esther and we're looking a lot at Mordecai and the moral courage that... And here's the question in the course. Why was Mordecai willing to bow to King Ahasuerus and not willing to bow to Haman? So if you're going to be a Christian, the scriptures say, submit to the king, submit to the higher authority. So now why would Mordecai submit to the higher authority King Ahasuerus and not bow down to Haman. There are reasons. And this is where Christians need to have knowledge, because we need to know, wait, when do we, when do we submit to when do we not? Peter and John wouldn't stop preaching in the book of Acts, chapter 4. They were like, they were told by the higher authority, stop preaching, and like, oh, we can't do that. So how do you know when it's, how do you know when moral courage knows when you comply and, 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 and when you don't? So like going, wow, 
Because, see, insubordination at the core is insubordination against God. In the mm. book of First Samuel in the Old Testament, chapter 15, First Samuel chapter 15, verse 23 says, insubordination is as of idolatry. Yeah. It's, and so, so the, in the Course and More Courage, we're talking about these things. And so, so what you want to do is, if you have a boss that says, look, I want you to do this sexual act with me, you don't have to, you can say no. Moral courage <laughs> says no. And then you have to know that you can say no to that. If, you're, if your boss says, I want you to sign, sign the line and give me your money, give me your contractual rights, just sign the line, you can say no. And that's not insubordinate unto God. Okay, because if you have a foul play and you have a, a, a rogue authority figure abusing power yes. and telling you that you have to do a seven-level lie by, by going along and your duty is to go with the lie, that's not your duty. And moral courage knows it. And we're talking about things like that in class. Wonderful. Wonderful. That is just absolutely beautiful. For such a time as this, Sarah Sumner, God has given you as a gift to be used in your to- mission and throughout however God connects and networks. And you do have a full staff teaching so many things. And you're here to just really, I love how you, and I even, it's not the right word to say simplify, but you reveal such discernment by how you teach us to really um, take things apart and give understanding and give us um, already a discernment through the Spirit that I can eliminate chaos and confusion out of my thinking and certainly out of this world's thinking. I think in the last, we have about four minutes. Well, um, can I say this, Linda, in sure. response to what you just said? You know what that is? That's theology. That's right. And see, a lot of people are taught that theology is something that's going to take you away from the Bible, but the, that's not true. Good theology will help you understand the Bible and apply the Bible more than you've ever done. Okay, and so if people, theology is, is, is clarifies things and makes it, theology turns doctrine into practical living. Yes. Theology explains things. Like if you just go, well, I want to know why is God invisible? You know, I'm all upset. How can I pray to a visible God? Then you're, you're ready to learn theology because that's a theological question. And when you get, like Linda's talking about here, these insights and the clarification and the lack of confusion, that's what theology offers. And so it's a good theology, and if you go to rightonmission.org and you'll see our homepage, then look on the menu and click Higher Learning. And if you're like, oh, well, I don't know about higher learning, I'm feeling nervous, it's okay, just click it, and when you click that, you can just take a look. You can just come to a webinar. You don't even have to say anything. It'll cost you $25, you know, and come to a mm-hmm. webinar and start to learn. And the thing is, when you start to learn theology, you gain confidence, and when you gain confidence, you're gaining moral courage. And the more you understand theology, which is all based on Scripture, which really is, is it's even based on the character of God, on the person of God, on, on God, God himself. And we help you interact with the living God himself who loves you. And then you learn how to think theologically. And then having moral courage, you can be like Peter, who after he got sifted by Satan, got sifted by wheat, then now you can encourage other people. And that's what everybody wants to do. Everybody I know wants to help people, and God wants to raise you up to, bear, to be a person it, who helps people. Uh, amen, amen. And in taking that, the Holy Spirit is the teacher and the discerner. It has nothing to do with education degree or IQ or anything. God is the teacher through the Holy Spirit. I just want to end this time in prayer. Father, I just so thank you for what you're teaching us 
through Sarah and other avenues of life right now about moral courage, what it means, how we understand it, what is the knowledge behind it, and what you're calling each one of us to do at any level of where we live, who we are, and what we're to do and to be in the places that you have placed us. Lord, thank you for this time. May your Holy Spirit just really sear our hearts with the truth and the movement of moral courage for your honor and your glory and for the kingdom to move forward and for your grace, your enabling grace and your sustaining faith. I think I said that just backwards in my prayer. Your sustaining grace for us, Lord, and enabling faith as believers in Christ pray these things in Jesus name. Thank you much so much Sarah for being part of our program today. Today's Living Hope. You can go to the website Tuesday and hear it again and hear it on the podcast. You're going to want to hear both these two hours again for God's glory. We'll see you next week. The preceding program has been furnished by Today's Living Hope.